and welcome. It's the Milwaukee Atlas Podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. It's hard to believe that we've gone as long as we have with this, Charlie, and we haven't had this guy on. Um, he has rebuffed all of my advances. Has he really? Every one of them. He's turned them all down. Well, all we finally got him. Thank goodness you got on top of him and armbarred him and, yes. and, and twisted him into doing this. He's Admiral's goaltender, Connor Ingram. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. We appreciate it. Wasn't a first-round Nashville pick, so nobody asked. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I will, I will say that Connor did say to me, "When do I get?" He's, this is a while ago. I think after we just had heels on, okay. right? And he was probably offended. That probably was. early 2019. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "When? Why? Why? How come I haven't been on the Admirals podcast yet?" Do I have to make an app before I get invited? To do <laughs> well, yeah, it would help. It would certainly yeah. help. Uh, but but we finally got here, and you know, you bring up a good point. You are Troy Grossnick's son's favorite goaltender. Still, so we should have brought you in much before the. We I, did I still have the video of him saying that. I send it to Goose like once a month just to remind. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. after he has a good game, right? Yeah. Just to bring him down. Yeah. That's right. Make just sure he's just, he's out. He's out hugging uh, Jeremy Swayman here the other day or whatever on the yeah. ice or whatever they're doing. You, you can. Uh, Beckett's forgot about me already. No, yeah. I bet that's not the case. Right. You get. You send him a text. Who? Who? Who is this? Yeah. <laughs> New phone. Who dis? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's so right. well, maybe we should explain what happened there. With, uh, with Troy. Two years ago, Troy Grosnick, Brookfield native, first kid yep. from Milwaukee to ever play for the Admirals. Is your goaltender partners with him? And so what, 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 what happened? You tell us the story. With Beckett? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he chose me, but whenever they'd strap the pads on in the basement, he was always me. So got a couple of good videos of him saying that I was his favorite. Make sure Troy knows. <laughs> Absolutely. And now he's got two kids, so maybe uh, I can't. I, I can't remember what his daughter's name is. I, maybe you know. I'm putting you on the spot, but oh, uh, Troy's going to listen to this 100. percent Yeah, yes. yeah, he's going to text me about this. I'm sure. I'll you, think of it by the end of this. You guys yeah. had such a great relationship. Yeah, we got along pretty well. It was almost. I think Carl might have said it was almost too well that it was like it was dangerous at some point. Yeah, that if Connor was playing and or Connor was playing, then Troy was a little too loosey goosey, pardon the pun, or vice versa. Because you guys literally started every other okay, game uh, except for early in the season. Troy got hurt, and you played I think two two games, games in, in a row, row, right? No, it went the other way. Cause, it went the other way. Because okay. he started the very first game in Iowa. In and he Iowa. got hit in, the puck, hit in the eye with that puck. Yeah. Went through his mask. Right. That was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like a minute in, though. Yeah. Yes, it was right Like away. first shot yeah. of the year practice. And then, he, and then he played again. And then right at the end of the year, right before COVID happened, I missed a game in Nashville. And he played two in a row. Yeah. That broke the streak right at the end. But yeah. I think that was the last game we played before we shut her down. You, you may be right. Yeah. Well, in the last games were. It was San Antonio. It was San Antonio and then San Antonio here. Yeah, yeah so school we were day in game Texas. here was yep. exactly, our last game. on that Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, and I was gone. Pekka was sick. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I sat on the bench up there once. So who was who was here? Uh, I don't remember who would have been. the uh, Ken Appleby? Ken, Ken Appleby or Cam Johnson? Cam, 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 Cam Johnson, Cam yeah, Johnson, yeah, yeah, who we played just the other day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just but talk about your relationship with Troy. Like, why was it so good? Goaltenders usually have oftentimes well, people, have – People want to say that there's a tough relationship, right? But oftentimes there's because not because you're competing no. for the same spot. I've I've never had a problem with somebody I played with. The uh, I think Goose and I got along so well because like goalies are weird. Yeah, there's that stigma is pretty true, and I think most me and Goose are probably the most normal guys I've ever played with. Yes, like Goose is a pretty straightforward, relaxed human being. Yeah. 
I don't think really much got to us. And we had a good relationship where we could talk about things. And it was nice because we played every other time, so you weren't worried about who was going to play or anything like that. Yeah, we did get, we got along really well. Pretty pretty dangerous at some points. We we like to have our fun on the road. <laughs> but, uh, no, it worked well. Did you look – was that someone you look up to? By the time you got here, you had been a pro for – three years it was your third third year pro yeah but is he still somebody you look up to because he's seven years older or is it just strictly a peer relationship no definitely somebody you look up to i mean he was a guy who's been there and he's done it you know he played in the nhl he's had a long american league career he's been up and down a lot so i think that's kind of what the american league's about it's about developing so to have a guy like that that you can kind of bounce off of and and we we got along well because we kind of we did things the same first year I I was 20, and the starter on our team was Michael Ayton, who's 30. Oh, who's, <laughs> who's practically your dad. He was 38 years yeah, old. Yeah. I think he had, a, at the time, I think a 16-year-old daughter. <laughs> so she was four years younger than I was, and he was 18 years older than me. So, like, there's there's a there's a difference between that kind of, like, learning and, like, like me and Lates' life didn't line up at all. At all. Right. Yeah. As, like, me and Goose, you know, we could kind of relate to each other. Like, sure, he had a wife and, and Beckett at the time, and then she Maggie got pregnant with uh, Claire. 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 Good job. Troy, put your save phone down. Yep. Yeah. Save the day. Save, save the text. Claire. And so we could still, like, even on the road and stuff, like, he, he checked in on his family and all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, he was he was always down to go for dinner or grab a drink or whatever it was. So he was he was great to learn from, and, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. So how quickly does that relationship develop? Because you come in from a different organization. Troy had been here not terribly long, but he had been here. Yeah. So how how it, was it hard it sparked, to develop a relationship? No, it sparked right away. We I remember sitting with him in Nashville, and just him and Schneids actually, they they kind of took me in and showed me around. And I mean, hockey's hard, especially at training camp, because you got the guys who make. 10, 11 million dollars and have homes and families in Nashville. And then you got guys like us who come in for two weeks knowing we're going to have to go find an apartment in Milwaukee. Right. There's that, there's kind of two groups when you roll into camp. And then there's even the younger guys who are their first time or ghostly guys who get invited to go to camp. Like there's not tears, but you kind of find who's similar to you, you know? Yeah. When you, when you're assigned number 79, you know that uh, you're not meant to be here for long. Right. My first year in Detroit, I wore 68. (laughs) Me and your armor yogger. Was it even a goalie cut? It was a goalie cut. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I sat on the bench all through Ricky tournament uh, in 68, but yeah, they, they kind of took me in and showed me around and, they, they became my friends quickly. So, so hold on now. You're going to something I never knew. I yeah. never drafted by Tampa Bay. Yeah, but you went to a camp. Yeah, so I wasn't. Dra- you were draft eligible, but you weren't drafted. Yeah, that so year you went to Detroit. I went to Detroit. I went to rookie camp, and then in Detroit, everybody keep, they keep everybody for main camp too. Yeah. So I spent two weeks in Traverse City, where they have their camp there. Yep. And all those teams come in. And all and, for yeah, the rookie the tournaments. Yeah, and, and then everybody from Detroit comes in, and you have main camp in Traverse City, too. So I did my first year there, and then a couple of years in Tampa, and then got traded in 2019 Yeah, for a bag of pucks and a year pot machine. <laughs> 
Well, somebody isn't paying a dollar for the pop anymore. No, yeah. that's good. No, that was a year thing. So we're <laughs> two years it's, it's free now. Yeah. It's free now. <laughs> that's little Billy Bean stuff. But uh, I just watched that the other night, actually. Um, but it ended up great for you. Yeah, it worked out great for me. I mean, being in here and in Nashville is pretty amazing. There's not many cities better than Nashville, and Milwaukee's probably a top top five for sure in the American League. People always ask. I say you got San Diego, you got Charlotte, then the Milwaukee. Yeah, you could throw Chicago in there, but Sh- you're not in Chicago. But you're not. You're way out. Yeah, right. Not the hard way. Living in the Sinesta Suites. <laughs> oh, right, right. We'll talk about that. We don't want to. Yeah. We'll get there. We got a lot to get. We to. got a lot to get to. Uh, you always told me that when you spent when you're in Syracuse, you got sent down to Orlando. That Orlando was great setup down there. Oh, Orlando's awesome. Yeah. Like not just the city, but the setup for the players and everything. Yeah, it's an NHL room. Is what it is. Like they, it's called RDV. It's where the Magic practice facility used to be. Apparently, okay, it's not anymore. But they had a whole like Orlando setup. We never practiced it. Uh, not Am- yeah, Amway. 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 Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's the same folks that own that, the DeVos. Yeah, yeah, the DeVos yeah. family. Yeah. yeah, but is it's an NHL room for sure with a great practice facility. They have really nice apartments that were basically across the street. You could just walk. There was a 7-Eleven, a Wendy's, and a Chick-fil-A on the walk. Oh, nice. So grab a drink or if you wanted lunch on the way home, it was nice. Uh, it was an awesome And place. it's Orlando, for God's sakes, yeah, right? Like Orlando's fun. Like, they shut – they. Uh, it's almost like a, like a block party every night. Like, they block off, like, four blocks downtown where, like, kind of all the bars are. And you can just walk around and really enjoy it. I was there for Cinco de Mayo <laughs> in Orlando, which was cool. I bet it was crazy. There's a big Hispanic yeah, community. community down there. So it was it was awesome. Yeah. I go back there in a heartbeat. How many times did you go to Disney? Once. Just once. I didn't go to Disney. I went to Universal and I went to, to Harry uh, Potter. Harry Potter World. Yeah. 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 I love Harry Potter. I know. I like Harry Potter's great. It's yeah. such a it's so... It was it was we went like middle of May. Oh, it was too it hot was, already. It was unbearable. Was it? Yeah. We bought a lot of five dollar waters. Yeah, I mean, a kid from Imperial, Saskatchewan, uh, yeah, isn't you, son? Yeah, then you no. have, you got the same complexion I do. You burn, yeah. and then you go back to pasty white. Yeah. There's no tan. No, and me and the sun do not get along. <laughs> I have taken great pride in the fact that I have not had a sunburn in yes. like twenty years, right? Because I am so. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm so diligent about sunscreen. Coating, these, yeah. these people that are like, Coats. yeah, let's go to Mexico in the winter, like, absolutely not. No, oh, God. You couldn't no. pay me enough. No. Like, Tampa for development camp was a nightmare for me. I would spend seven days straight in my hotel room, just AC on. <laughs> right. You so, walk outside and you're sticky. Yeah. yeah. It's a nightmare. Who, who was it? I can't remember. It was it was a big name for Nashville. Got so sunburnt. They were out, like, fishing. Day off. Yeah. Uh, and they got so sunburned, like they couldn't practice the next they, day. They do that at training camp. They have that fishing yes. tournament. Yeah. yeah. When they could do was the Tampa Tyler Johnson? Miami thing. It yeah. might have been. Uh, I forget who that That was before I was there, though. Okay. Yeah. But I remember hearing that story. It was like a big, it was a big thing because they couldn't. Uh, yeah. They got so sunburned. They yes. were so dehydrated. Like, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. You couldn't put your stuff on. Yeah. No. Yeah. I could see that happening. Though, oh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean. It's amazing it doesn't happen more. Right. With the teams down there, or specifically with the visitors going yeah. down there, especially you, if you've got you an extra day. You think of like some like Norwegian kid that comes yeah. over, like yeah. living in pure darkness. Yeah, Adam Willsby, right? Like he's going to go yeah. down there. <laughs> like hide that kid. 
right. He, you know, uh, when our affiliate, ECHL affiliates in Florida, like guys get called up, like, you know, Zach Magwood, he came up, he was, his, his hair was bleach blonde. That Bouchard kid is bronze. Yes, up. yes, he sure yeah. is. Because he's probably out at the pool every day, yeah. right? He was dark when he showed up. <laughs> from yeah. Quebec, yeah. From, yeah. from Quebec. He's from or... northern Quebec, too. Yeah. I, yeah. His dad was our assistant in Syracuse. Oh, oh, really? That's it? I, yeah. Really, I didn't Chills. realize it was that. Yeah. Chills. When he first came to Syracuse, he could not speak English. Really? Yeah. I used to mess with him all the time because, like, he couldn't understand you. With the kid? No, no, with the with dad. With the dad. Because, okay. okay. like, he couldn't speak. It's a, it's a totally French front Fr- office and coaching stuff, yes. so it didn't matter. Yeah. And three-quarters of our team was French. But, like, us English guys, he you couldn't have a conversation with him. Just I'm sure he's better now. Yeah. But he's from Royan Naranda or yeah. north of that even. And apparently they don't – you would be the same as uh, Girard yeah. when he came here. Sure. Because apparently he really struggled with English too. They're from, like, Sammy, the same yeah. – the same oh yeah, 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 right. yeah. I just saw. Remember, I just saw a picture of him on my phone. I was go. I just got a new phone, and I saw his first goal puck. Oh. Uh, good story. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So he, we, he, when he first came, he he couldn't speak English at all, and he was like, I would just ask him. I'd be like, Hey, like, where, where you keep the bodies? Like up at your farm up there? And he'd just be like, Oh yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it's not amusing for him. It's only for your own personal oh, yeah. amusement. And there would never be anyone around. I would just get a giggle out of it and just keep removing. <laughs> Sometimes Somebody probably told him what I was saying. That's why they got rid of me. <laughs> well, they, they get rid of you and you end up here. Yeah. And Nashville, Milwaukee. So tr- trades, they're, they're tough when you think about it. Change is difficult, right? Yeah. Was, it, was it a big deal? Was it a, was it a difficult move? Uh, for me, I knew it was coming. Because, obviously, they sent me down. I went from the NHL to the AHL All-Star game to the coast in less than a month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they didn't like how much I weighed. was the last conversation I ever had with that organization. I walked into our coach's office, and he said, how much do you weigh? I told him, and he said, just go home and pack your stuff up. Wow. And wow. That was it. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. And uh, Even though, there been, like, Have there been warnings before? Or what? I mean, like, they Yeah, said... so I got hurt right before Christmas. And they were like, listen, like, I... I partially tore my mcl and they were like yeah this is a great opportunity for you to lose some weight and i was like even though you had six i think you had six shutouts yeah that led the league I, well i finished leading the league that year right yeah. that led the whole league and you did that by like the all-star 20, break 20 games yeah, by yeah. christmas 20, 20 games. games they won the half homes that year too and i missed it i missed having my name on that by like one. really you to play 25 25 games, yeah. Yeah, yeah 25 games yeah yeah so that's yeah, baloney that uh they came in and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and make you lose some weight." So I was, I'm six two and I got down to like 195 pounds, and their goal was 193. So the one day I'm in, every day this would take me and he put me on the scale and make sure that he would look and so then you weren't lying about it or whatever. Right. So came in, did it, and I was 195 pounds that day. <clears throat> Went up to get dressed, um, was like half dressed, and he came in. He's like, "Hey, coach wants to talk to you." I was like, weird like i'm half dressed this never happens yeah walked down there he said how much do you weigh today i said i came in at 195 he said you know that's not good enough go home pack your stuff up we'll tell you what's gonna happen jeepers so they sent me down and then uh the guy they brought in ulet ended up breaking his leg in his first start how he got he something happened with like the post and a guy ran into him right. and kind of got Just caught up yeah like really bad and uh so i was the last guy they had on contract so they brought me back up from Orlando, and I went into the office, and uh, our GM was there, and he's just like, hey, like... Julian Brisbo? Yep. And he's Who's just now like, the GM? Of Tampa Bay, Of Tampa yeah. Bay. 
and he was just like, yeah, like, you know, we were pretty happy with what we had here. Like we, we were probably just going to leave you there and just kind of make things work. And I said, you know, that's fair. Like whatever you guys think. It's your team. Yeah. Like whatever you guys think to win. And he's like, yeah, like you're, you're not going to play like maybe at the end of the year, if, if we want to give we had Eddie Pasquale at the time, if you want, if we want to give him a break, like maybe we'll, you'll slide in for a couple games at the end. I said, well, like this is my second year pro. I'm a, professional goalie like i need to play to get better right like that's that's what makes us better like doing this isn't going to help me as much as playing will and he said so what do you want to do and i was like well if i if i'm not going to play like i i it'd be better for me to go to the east coast league and play and and like play in the playoffs and and do these things and that was the end of it he just said if 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 you don't want to be here and I, of course, I wanted to be there. You want to be in the American League. Yeah, you want to be at the, yeah, at the highest level. Play. Yeah, and I said, well, if I'm not going to play, like, I, I need to play to get better. And that was, I was worried about my career. Right. Of course. And he said, well, if that's what you want, we'll put you back in Orlando. And then he, as, as he walked out, he was just like, hey, well, this will be the end of you here. Like, we're going to try and move you now. And I was like, yeah, if that's, that's fair. Like, yeah. it's in your plans. Like, that's okay with me. And I'm very grateful to them that, they didn't just put me back in the East Coast League for another year. Like and bury they, you, yeah. yeah right. they, they gave me a chance to go somewhere else, and Nashville took a flyer on me and ended up here now. So as, it didn't work out in Syracuse for for those reasons, but they also gave me a chance to play somewhere else, which right. is huge for me. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. put you into such a good situation. You didn't know it coming in, but how good that team was in 2019-2020. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was, it was a perfect situation for me and got to come in and play with Goose and play a lot. Like, you obviously want to play as much as you can. We had a great thing going, and I think we would have done some damage if we had the chance there. We, yeah. we, I've had, we've talked so much about that team with so many people, and not that – because the fans, we hear from the fans, and they're like, oh, we would have won the championship, all of this stuff. I don't think anybody's upset that you didn't win the championship that was a member of the team. I think you're upset that you didn't get the chance that you to never try, try to get yeah. the championship, right? And this is a performance-based profession. Right, right. Teams that win Calder Cups, guys get better contracts. You get 100%. shots in the NHL. You get those things. The 30-year-old guy will be back next year rather than trying to hoof it in the second German exactly. or something. Like yeah. you, you go from making 70 to being a Calder Cup champion. Somebody might give you 150. Yeah, you right. Know? And that's our lives. That's life-changing, like that's, right? That's, that's not just trying to move on like this is how we support our families this is how we live our right. lives and you and you only have so many years to earn money exactly like it would if you're 33 34 in the american league like you're an outcast right right well, not an outcast but you're the anomaly yes is the word i was looking yeah. for. Yeah. so it's it's hard and it would have been awesome to try and do it but i mean there's bigger things in the world yeah 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 so how did you take that when that happened it's hard i mean Obviously, you want to you want a shot at it. Went home and what was it, middle of March? I think that's when you tweeted that you went home and you put an NHL yeah. nineteen or something, and yeah, you got they, really crushed. They gave me like a sixty-five rating with low potential. <laughs> <laughs> the game's always been hard on me. I feel like those NFL guys that are mad at their matting ratings. <laughs> well. I gotta check. I I haven't bought a game since then because I've been boycotting them for that. Okay, my kids. <laughs> I my, wonder we, what I'm at. My now. kids just bought NHL 22. Got it from the Easter Bunny. Did I make a 70 yet? I don't know uh, because they. Ha- I just haven't been watching them playing. So I'm gonna have to go down uh, yeah. today when I get home and I'll find well, out. If I break 70, I might buy the next one. You might be back on. Yeah. 
you might yeah. be back on. Okay, that's good. Well, to you know. got two NHL games on your resume now yeah. that you played, so that's going to yeah. help the cause. Well, that's going to help the low potential for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, let's not jump. We, we're talking about it now. We're jumping around a lot. But yeah. let's talk about your first NHL game uh, in in Minnesota. You get called up from here. You had been called up a couple of times already but hadn't played. Goalie is so weird because you can get called up. How many times did Troy get called up that year or in the time he was in Milwaukee? I bet he got called up five or six times, never played a game. In the time he was in Milwaukee. Right, yeah. when he was in yeah. Milwaukee. So do they tell you you're playing? How much advance notice do you get? Do they, Did your parents get flown in? Uh, how did that all work? Yeah, uh, it's a Sunday afternoon. They did a brutal game. Well, and, and by the way, it's still COVIDy at the time. Yeah. Right? So for your parents to come in would be. They did a good job at keeping me in the dark, which I think is the plan always, just yeah. to not freak out. But we played in Winnipeg Saturday night. Yeah. And then we were flying to Minnesota. We were supposed to play Sunday afternoon. Right. Goalies hate, goalies hate those games, right? And, and as a goalie, especially in the NHL, you know that most guys don't play back-to-backs. Right, yeah. Right. So you always kind of wonder. But they told me after the game in Winnipeg on the flight to Minnesota. So I had to wait. On Who the tells you that, Heinze or Ben Vanderklok? Ben Vanderklok ben did. Does. And uh, so I had to wait for the plane to land before I could tell anyone. Which is a nightmare. Yeah. And then my parents were at home. They were at a wedding, actually, in Saskatoon. But with COVID and needing to get tested and everything, they didn't have time to make it. There was no way to do it. No. But they all watched, and they made it to – when I played in Edmonton, there was a lot of people, just because it's close to home, and they didn't have to test and could drive. How far is Imperial from Edmonton? Probably almost six hours. So it's close to home. It's like four and a half from Saskatoon. Okay. Yeah. So was that the team for you when you were a kid? Edmonton? Yeah. I, I loved Jose Theodore. So oh, I was so a Montreal, Montreal fan. Yeah. Yeah. Not even like as much of a fan. I just had an obsession with him for some reason. Yeah. Okay. I remember crying when he got busted for those PEDs <laughs> with his hair growth things. Really? Yeah. I remember crying. Wow. Yeah. Is that what inspired you to be a goalie? No. I have three older brothers, and so that was it. Mom and dad you were, were the victim. Paramedics, so they would go on ambulance <laughs> runs together. <laughs> so our household was just a war zone, <laughs> and somebody had to play goalie. So obviously, the youngest one was going to strap them on and just eat pucks yeah. for a living. <laughs> so that's what started that. It was just a fight to survive. Yeah, <laughs> the stories out of the Ingram house. Oh, it was. While mom and well, dad are gone. Hold on, no, you, you one brother played college football, right? Or... Bryce played college baseball, NAIA in North Dakota. Okay. Mark played five years of junior and then was a two-time All-Canadian at the UFS. Okay. Broke his leg right before the CFL draft, which was sad. We kind of missed out on getting drafted, but yeah. it was good for him. I I think it was time for him to move on. As a brother, I was I was ready for him to stop playing football just because it's dangerous and scares me. Right. But and then there's Kieran, who is like basically a scratch golfer. He's the worst to play against in summer. <laughs> So we all kind of had our own little things, but like Bryce is 11 years older than me. So when I was six or seven, he was 17, 18. Oh yes. gosh. Yeah, we were, our household was chaotic. You had no choice. Least. Yeah. Thank goodness, but your parents were paramedics. Yeah. We, they was, knew how to treat everything. There was a lot of stuff that went on in that house. The one story I always tell people just to give them an insight was Kieran's two years older than me. But Kieran's smaller. Kieran's probably five eight. Like all my brothers are, are big, small, small. Small, actually. okay. Like Bryce and or 
Kieran and Mark are about 5'8", which my dad is 5'8", and then Bryce is about 5'10", and I'm 6'1", maybe, on a good day. And so Kieran and I, he's two years older than me, but we were always about the same size. So when Mom and Eve, Bryce would invite his friends over, and they would make a wrestling pit in the basement. Oh, nice. And then they would bet nickels or whatever it was on Kieran and I to wrestle, and the first one to cry loses. <laughs> So it's we, like cockfighting, but... We would uh, be down there in our Fruit of the Looms just absolutely giving it to each other for Bryce's 17-year-old friends, and first one to cry loses. And then the winner would get like a mini chocolate bar, like a Kit Kat for Halloween. <laughs> and I didn't realize how messed up it was until I got older, and I was like, you guys did grow up like this? Yeah, right. You, 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 yeah. I, I, I have a fr- one of my best friends from high school. The whole family was a wrestling family, state champions in yeah. college and, and all close to the Olympics. Like one of them lost to Kurt Angle in the Olympic trials yeah. the one year to go to Atlanta. But I remember his mom telling my mom, we don't get nice furniture because it's just going to be shot in yeah. a day and a half anyway. Exactly. <laughs> like the... It was it was pure anarchy. We, our our whole living room used to be. We had this really nice fireplace with like a screen mesh on it. So that was the mini sticks goal. Oh, n- nice. Yeah, a and, great idea. Until I was like twelve, and mom was like, "That's it. We're done." <laughs> and she redid the drywall where all the holes were from the mini sticks. Replaced like the banisters of the stairs that people had been put through. <laughs> and redid the carpet, and she was like, "That's it. We're done." And that was like the time where we all had to grow up in the Ingram family, and like <laughs> we got a flat screen TV instead of like the big bricks. So right, we yeah. couldn't bank the ball off of it. It was a game changer yeah. in the mini stick world. But, but by then, your brother's out of the house anyway. Oh, probably. he's like twenty five. Yeah, he doesn't care. No, but he would still strap him on if we were going to go at it. <laughs> so that was the time when like mom was like, "Listen, we're done. This is it." <laughs> And then after that, we bought one of those little mini basketball hoops that you hang on, like, the back of a yeah, door. Yeah. And Kieran, <laughs> we, the basement door was the one it was hung on. And twice, me and Kieran were playing on this little mini basketball hoop. And Kieran went to dunk it and went straight through the, ba- the door. <laughs> down the stairs. He didn't fall down the stairs, but we broke two doors. Oh. And mom, so, like, my whole high school life, we didn't have a door because mom was boycotting. <laughs> Your mom, she that's impressive. She's got some fortitude there, oh, right? Yeah. Like to Oh, the just... amount the amount that she put up with is absurd. <laughs> and it wasn't bad for me, but like Kieran from fifteen to eighteen, like if you had ever had a girl over like you go watch a movie in the basement, right. didn't have a door on it because he kicked <laughs> through it when he was thirteen. <laughs> so it was it was bad for them, but like eventually now there's this like really nice glass door and like mom's got it all set up all pretty and like the grandkids come and they play around but that household's seen some stuff oh god that's crazy that's fantastic that is so from there from all of that then you go to Kamloops I went to PA first so I I left yeah Prince Albert I left at 15 to play and they drafted you no it's in Saskatchewan you can go wherever you want okay so 15 my first year midget I just played like house league hockey nobody wanted me and then 16, I moved to PA and played midget AAA for the Mintos. So that was about two and a half hours from Imperial. You live with a billet family, go to school there. That was my first time leaving the house kind of thing. Yeah. Was that and tough? Eh, it's 
it was one of those things that like I was prepared for. Like yeah. growing up in Imperial, you knew if you wanted to play, you're gonna have to. I was gonna you say to go. you've said that before. Like it's it's not like you're close to anything. No, really. like you played elsewhere. Yeah, so like that was the f- you kind of knew that if you're gonna play, you had to go somewhere. Yeah, but mm-hmm. mom and dad grew up about half an hour outside of Prince Albert. So most of my both my grandmas lived like half an hour away from me, and mom and dad were there all the time. And sure, I had an awesome billet, Sandy. She took care of me. Did she have any kids? She had older kids. Did they come and did you go in there the first time and you think it's like a, a normal family and I'm just going to you're breaking stuff and it's everything is it was nice like she kept a nice house had this great bedroom for me in the basement and her husband worked like two weeks out one week in kind of thing. Yeah. So he was gone a lot and so it would just be me and her and she was drove in the school. oil fields? I don't know what he did. Yeah. But uh, she drove school buses, so she would be gone in the morning, and then when I came home from school, she would come home at, like, 4.35 or whatever. I'd just be sitting upstairs at the island, like, doing my homework, just living the dream by myself. <laughs> she was awesome to me. She, we, we got along quite well. I still talk to her. you gotta, you got to grow up quick in that, st- in that world. Though, yeah, right? you don't mess around. That's for sure. I went to uh, – so I, when I first moved away, I went to – there's two schools in PA, Carleton and St. Mary's. And Carleton's the biggest high school in Saskatchewan, about okay. 2,500 kids, wow. 9 to 12. And Prince Albert's a tough city. In Foot and Aisley. Is that right? Yes. So I went to the nice school, which was St. Mary's, which is a Catholic school. Sure. About was it, pri- it was private then? Saskatchewan, nothing's private. There's like a public Catholic school division and a public. Uh, public, public. Okay, yeah. got it. So I went to St. Mary's, which is about 800 kids, 9 to 12. And my first day there, there were, I was sitting in the cafeteria just minding my own business, and there's a fight in the cafeteria two girls fight in this area and like no one moves everyone just sits there and watches it and then like these girls fight and they clean it all up leave and there's just like a lock of this girl's hair sitting in our cafeteria like the whole day and i was just like where where did i just move to? like what is going on right that there's is just, normal this is and no one cared everyone was just like ah fight like, yeah no. and i was just like well this is normal at the catholic school yeah, yeah the like, catholic <laughs> this isn't even the tough school yeah and like p- people were just like getting their lunches just like making sure to not step on this girl's hair that was sitting in our cafeteria and i was just like, what is happening that and i i imperial never had lockers yeah. So they had like one of those spinny walks on the walker, yeah, yeah. and I had no idea. The combination. How, I had no yeah. idea how it opened. I was like an hour late for my first class because I couldn't figure out how to get my walker. <laughs> just sweating. Just. <laughs> I I had to go to like the resource lady, like the resource officer, yeah, to yeah, come yeah. open my walker for me because I didn't know how the spinny walker worked. Yeah. I still don't get those things, man. They're so hard. Yeah. yeah. I gotta get Harris to give me a walkthrough on a master. Right. Walk. Yeah. You came to the right place. Like I spin it twice one way, <laughs> once clear, the other you way. Spin it twice to clear. Oh, yep. It's, it's yep. just that I just stuck a pencil in it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it couldn't go down. Yeah, that's exactly. how we would jam the lockers uh, back when I was growing up too. Yeah, or you can where it's like not a lock, lock where it looks like it's locked, and you can spin as much as you want, but you just pull it open. Oh, I yeah, I had one of those too. Hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah. the resource lady got sick of me coming to find her. Open my lock. <laughs> so she just just take this. Yeah, I just never put anything in there. Just the Tupperware that I didn't want anymore. Wow. So then you end up in Kamloops, and then you get drafted. It was we said you're not not in your draft year, but the. The year after, yeah, my that second you were first time. eligible for draft. So, what was that like for you? I missed my phone call. I was on an airplane. Really? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was listening to it. I, my, I was supposed to fly home from Canvas and go golfing with my dad because it was. It wasn't like certain, but we figured that I was going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Dad, let's go golfing. Like, this would be a cool moment for us." Whatever. My flight got delayed out of Kamloops, and I I bought the Sportsnet package. And I was listening to the draft. 
and I, I was just listening to it, and they were boarding our plane or whatever. So in Kamloops, there's no, like, jet bridge. You, like, walk out on the tarmac yeah, and then up sure. into these little planes. Sure. And I had it on my headphones, and it got to 87. <laughs> and it says, the Washington Capitals select from the Kamloops Blazers, and my heart sank. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going to Washington. He says, yeah. Garrett Pilon. And I went, this is so dumb. I hate this. <laughs> like, I was so mad. I was like. You're a good friend, though, I'm assuming. Yeah, I was like just teasing me. Like, I was yeah. super pumped for him. But I was like, I thought that was me. This is it. Like, I hate my life. Like, got on the plane, turned it all off. Like, unplugged my phone, put it on airplane mode. I was like, whatever. We'll see what happens. Oh, my god. I goodness. was the very next pick. The very next pick. I was the very next yeah. If I would have waited yeah. 15 seconds, I would have heard my name called. But I was so <laughs> mad that it wasn't me at 87. 87. Wow. That's amazing. That yeah. is amazing. So I set, uh, turned my phone off, whatever, flew from Kamloops to Calgary, which is... Fuming. About, yeah, it's like upset, like just someone teetered with my heart. <laughs> and I get off the plane and I have like 150 texts. And I was like, okay, so like where, what happened? What happened? Yeah, and I started going through my things and uh, like one of the phone calls it always says where it comes from and I missed one from Tampa and I was like, ooh, yeah, nice. So I missed I I, I Steve Eiserman on my on my drive. Was it phone. was it Eiserman who yeah, called you? Yeah. Wow. When do you think he doesn't call? Like you're round three. Do you think it's uh does oh, he, he calls the whole way through? He calls the, even oh, round yeah. seven. Yeah, yeah. Does seven exist anymore? Yes. Yes. Seven's seven. the last round. Seven, and seven. then like two days later they put you on a plane ticket to development camp. Yeah. And I walk into Emily just trying my own business for second angel camp there's this absolute silver fox of a human being all bronzed up glasses on he walks down the hall and he goes hey steve eiserman he's like, yeah no shit <laughs> like, i don't know who you are like... that's great yeah steve steve eiserman was the roommate of former admirals coach uh they were drafted in the same year uh, of uh former admirals coach lane lambert oh really yeah Sure was. They were that draft. That draft was was those two. You throw in Bob Probert and Stu Grimson all in the same draft. Yeah, so the West right Macaulay there. one. What's that? Was that the West Macaulay one? It might have been. I'm not. A, uh, I, I I know Stu and, and Probert for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Lane and he's and amazing though. Steve Eisenman is a salt of the earth human being. Is that right? Yeah. What, whatever you hear about Steve Eisenman is all true. true. I was yeah. gonna say you hear nothing but good. But yeah. great, he's, amazing things. He is a fantastic human being. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so all of that stuff. You have the years in in that organization. You come here to to Milwaukee. COVID hits, and then you get just the strangest year. They put you in Sweden for a little bit. You're in Chicago, and you have something you've been very open about over the last year and a half. Yeah. Uh, the situation you were dealing with with OCB and all of yeah. that stuff. You just were on the TV here. All all of this. So so when did it? Do you think that was always there looking back? Like like you mentioned earlier, goalies are strange. Yeah. We've dealt with certainly in Milwaukee, in my 17 years here, we've dealt with goalies that have had OCD issues. Yeah. Do you think that this is something that has been going on forever? Or so did it get did it progressively because of when they t the when they told me and I was I was in California, they, they do like family sessions. Yeah. So I got my diagnosis and then we had a session with my parents and the lady started going over things that like you might see in a kid that has it. And like I hit every box. Really? But for me, my OCD was very, like a lot of OCD things are really good, like cleaning, like those right. kind of things. Right. Like Making oh, sure really, your house is safe. Yeah, like, like good things that people don't see as a bad thing. And I had those things as a kid where like when I was 6 to 15, I wouldn't go to bed until I checked for my wallet, my baseball glove and my bike were put away. 
Yeah. Like they were in the that's right That's great. Your mom thinks that's amazing. Exactly. Look at Connor. He's so responsible. responsible. Yeah. Or like I would have a school project. And for me, a really big thing is completion. Like I have trouble focusing on things before I can move on. Like I sit here with this half drink Coke and it bothers me that it's not done. You yeah. know, like, so for me, if I got a school project that was due in a week, I would spend you're 12 hours. The night. Yeah. You're, you're over, getting overnight. it done. Yeah. And my parents who are tears like, ah, that's just a good student. Like yeah. making sure he knows where his things are. It's a good student. Like things like that, that like as a parent, you're like, ah, yes. Like good, good child. I, as a I parent, I would right. be like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so like it never clicked with anybody that like, Hey, like he can't function unless he does these things. Right. So for me, it kind of turned, it turned from good things to things that were affecting my regular life. And that's kind of where I realized that I had a problem. Where I was like, I can't function a lot of days until I do these certain things to make myself feel better. And that's where it kind of spun for me where, like, I would always check, like, I read that if you have syphilis, you get a rash on your hands or your feet. Like, if I was sitting here in a room with you guys, like, I would want to take my shoe off and look at the bottom of my foot. Right. And I can't. Right. Because that's weird. And and it's tough here. Sorry to interrupt. uh, But you think of COVID and how many times we were washing our hands and now your hands are all dry all the time. Yeah. Right? Like they're chapped and they're like itchy. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's just, so that feeds into it, obviously. Exactly. And for me, like a lot of mine I've talked openly was like STD based. So like before I would go to the bathroom or do things like that, like I had to wash my hands before I could go pee or like yeah. all these things. Like I couldn't, I couldn't really like function until I did these things. And it got to the point where like I was on a taxi squad or black AC. Like I spent, two months in nashville before we went to the bubble right so like i spent three months in a hotel room in nashville with very little contact no no contact you couldn't right because it was rank home like we were in the bubble like you weren't supposed to be out you couldn't go for go for dinner nothing like all these things they just kind of added up to where like i had time to to take my look at the bottom of my foot like no one cared you're a prisoner i had hell i had no way out yeah so I would go to the rink, and if we practiced for an hour and a half, like, I couldn't say I had to go to the bathroom and go look at myself. Right. Yeah. Right? And as a person— Was that like, relief then to be at practice? No, it was a nightmare. It was, I would, because you needed— I couldn't you... do it to calm down. Okay. Right? Like, you—it's a good way of you putting— You needed that constant verification. Yeah, and a good way to put it is, like, an addict is always looking for their next fix. Right. Right? So for me, like, if I was—if Charlie came in and said, you got to do a podcast for an hour and a half. Immediately in my head, I'd be like, I can't check for an hour and a half. Like, how am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do to survive that? Exactly. And that's immediately where you go. So for me, when I would go on the ice, I'd be like, shit, like, I got to sit here for an hour and a half and play without being able to run away and look. Like, there was times where I'd be like, ah, I got to pee. Like, in the middle of practice, just so I could go to the bathroom and look at myself. Wow. Like, that's the point I was at. Which, and I mean, we should make note too that it was completely irrational because you were in a committed relationship at the time, right? Yeah. So like it, you know, not to, you weren't sleeping with uh, everyone and, you know, everyone around, right? And that's what didn't make sense. That's where I knew I had something was wrong. Like I was like, these are things that I shouldn't worry about. And it started, it started to affect me. The the time it hit me the worst was actually here. We played Chicago here. You can look it up. We went 2-1. And they scored about three minutes in. And if you go back, I was in tears that whole first period. Really? In an AHL hockey game. So this season? No. Or in, in 1920? 1920. 
Okay. Wow. And I was in tears that whole first period because I couldn't calm down. So you suffered for hard for about 18 months. Oh, here. a long time where I just tried to hide it. So this wasn't just... No. COVID certainly didn't help, it didn't but help, it didn't but start it was, then. It was before that, for sure. And like I remember playing that game, and we ended up winning it. And I walked, I walked out, and I walked into our training room, and I was just like... Dr. Brand was in there. I was like, I need to talk to you. Like, I don't know what's going on. He's like, the best, by the way. I Dr. Brand. Yeah, like, I, I can't calm down. Like, I don't know what's happening to me. But, like, this is, this is what's happening. He was like, hey, like, we'll get you onto some meds. And it helped. It's still the med I take now. But it's it was just a very lower dose. And Dr. Brand did everything he could for me. I just need I needed a psychiatrist. Yeah. And it took me walking into that office in Nashville and just being like, I can't do this anymore for them to be like, yeah, like we had no idea. Right. So they, they, it wasn't a red flag that you had to go to the bathroom in the middle of a drill. Like they didn't think anything think, of it really. I think I thought I was doing a good job of hiding it, but I'm sure people were looking around like the day. Again, like an addict. Yeah, exactly. You, you think you're doing a good job of it, but yeah. I was, somebody explained it to me, I was never present is the way to put it. Like, I, I, if I was sitting here, I would be looking for a way to get out. Yeah. Like yeah. You would ask me a question. It would go straight through my ears. Just, I'm not here. Right. Like yeah. I just, just want to leave. I want to go look at myself. I want to feel better. So it was it was hard in that but sense. But you could never feel better. You do. Could you? That's Temporarily? The, that's the thing is, like, the compulsions is what sets your anxiety back for that five minutes, whatever it is. Yeah. So, like, if I would go up, I would be like, okay, I'm fine. And then I would go back and sit down and then, Five minutes later, I'd be like, Wait, but then it starts was up. there was there right. something what that I missed? Right. What was that? Did I? Yeah. You know, it's so like that, me. I'll drive. I'll leave my house, close the garage. I watch the garage door close all the way. Yeah. I'll get to the block, end of the block, and I'm like, I got to turn around. Yeah, that's that's peak example. Yeah. So, like things like that, where like you just you battle through it and you battle with it, and you don't really re like I I thought OCD was like people wash their hands, and right? Quite, yeah. Kept a perfect apartment, like. I was like, I don't know, OCD. Like walking to my apartment, it's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so like the day I left, I I missed the bus. Is what I did. I was in Dallas, and I got to the rink and on the taxi yeah, squad. Yeah, and Benny, Benny brought me in. And he said, "What's up?" So I think he knew something was going on, and I I just I broke down with him. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I wanted to quit. I wanted to retire. I was like, I just want to get away. I wanted to go do something else. Like, maybe that'll fix me. He was like, no, no. Like, there's something bigger here. Let's go get you some help. So when I left, I thought I had a drinking problem because I was inebriated the night before. I show up very hungover. Like, all these things. And they're like, yeah, well, you, you got a problem. Like, yeah. this is causing you problems. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Like, I agree. So then I got there, and the lady was like, no, like, you – because I was never uh, had a drink in the morning to set myself straight. Like, right. I could go. If I went to the bar and I drove there, I would sit there for two hours, never touch a drink, and drive home. And, and that was no big deal. Never had a problem with it. So I got there, and, like, I started telling my therapist this. And she was like, do you have trouble, like, completing tasks, like, halfway? And I was like, yeah, like, when I clean my apartment, I'll black out for two hours until it's done. Yeah. She's like, what about you fold your laundry? Like, can you do a load of laundry and then quit? I was like, no. Like, if I'm doing laundry, I'm doing it all. Yeah. And she was like, you are checking a lot of boxes of obsessive compulsive disorder. She's like, is there something else you do that, like, make you feel better? And I, like, told her about, like, my checking and these things. And she was like, you, you need help. Like, we got we to gotta get this straight. So since then, 
you do a lot of exposure therapy, which is just a nightmare. Oh gosh, I and, can imagine. Yeah, which is terrible, but it it, it works miracles. So like, what what is exposure therapy? Explain. Like I'll put a glass on the counter and I'll leave it there, and you just have to sit and and deal with it, or it, what? Exactly. Like That's if, what if you're is. a cleanliness person, or yeah. like if you're a person that has to have labels out. They'll set up three things in front of you with two of them straight and one of them sideways and just make you stare at it and be like, how uncomfortable does this make you? You'd be like a 10. And I'd be like, hey, when it gets to a six, tell me. You sit there for three, four minutes, and you'd be like, hey, set a six. And they're like, hey, you can fix it now. Wow. Wow. So for me, they make <laughs> – it was a nightmare. They used to make me go to, like, strangers' houses or, like, here. They'd be like, touch the doorknob, open the door, go to the bathroom, touch your junk, and then sit there. And like, not wash your hands. Don't look at it. Don't wash your hands. Just be uncomfortable. And then you sit there with it until you're comfortable, basically. And then they're like, so one for me, the lady used to make me do half my laundry. I was just going to say, did the lady make you do her laundry as just a way of, uh, yeah. No, so she'd be <laughs> like, come home, throw it all on the bed, fold half of it, and walk away. And I used to sit in the other room and just stare at it. Just stewing. And just be like, I, like. It, right now, like I have goosebumps on my arms just from thinking about how uncomfortable that makes me. Just knowing that it, it's, I, I saw Cools drink ninety nine percent of a water bottle the other day and throw out the bottom like bit, and I snapped. I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like that drives me nuts." And he's like, "No, I don't want to drink like the backwash at the end." And I was like, "Oh, you are a monster." Yeah. <laughs> But just like little things like that that like normal people don't even consider drives me up a wall. Yeah. So what do they do? You mentioned the exposure therapy. Cope, you mentioned the med medication. Coping mechanisms. I mean, that's that's what they have to teach you, right? Yeah. I mean, that, and that's what you have to be open to Yeah. for this whole thing. And for me, a really big thing that helped me was just knowing what it was. Like I So understanding that I'm OCD rather yeah. than So like when it clicks in my brain now where I'm like like even sitting here I'm like, man, it's been like an hour, you haven't checked yourself. In my brain I'm like, You're insane. Yeah. Like that's just your brain like wanting you to go do it. To and do it. To yeah. control you. Yeah. And I can sit here and be fine. Yeah. But before I'd be like, Why why is it doing that? Like, is there something? Like am I itchy? Am I am I like, what's going on? Yeah. And but now when I hear that I'm just like, Ah, well It's just it's, it's almost like the devil and the angel. Yeah, it's just my brain trying to control me and like say, "Let's go do this." Yeah, as I can sit here now and be comfortable and be present and do these things. How much does it help? Again, you've been open on all of this, very open. How much does it help you to be that open about it? Not not that you're going around pre. You're not standing. You're not no. building a pulpit on the corner by where Teddy Roosevelt stood and got shot in Milwaukee exactly. and, and preaching and all of this. And stuff, like I'm never I, going to people and being like, "Hey, listen to my story." Right. You know? Exactly. Like, but like I've had people come to me and just be like, "Hey, like this is what's going on with me." Like there's guys in our room that have OCD. That yeah. You never know. But you know what? You know what's funny though is that's part of this lifestyle. Yeah. Like you have to be. You have to be selfish. You yeah. have to be compulsive. You to to get to the top level of a profession like yeah. hockey, you have to have all of these qualities. And there's such a fine line between superstition and compulsion, right? right. So it's it's funny because like guys will come talk to me and like explain, and I'll just be like, "Hey, like, have you thought about it? Like, do you like is it causing you problems? No. Well, then you're fine. Like, is it causing you problems? Yes. So like, do you have a therapist? Have you told someone? Yeah. Like, do you talk about this with people? Like, do you fight it? Like, all these things that, like, people now feel comfortable talking to me about is weird because, like, I'm, I'm a pretty introverted person. For sure. 
I don't I don't like being in the spotlight or doing sit down interviews. Like that was a nightmare for me. Yeah. Like things like that where where people will talk to me and make me uncomfortable. <coughs> um but it it kind of reaching out and, and being okay with getting help. And one of the things that I give you credit for, and I've told you this before, that this issue is much bigger than Connor Ingram. This yeah. issue, is, I mean, it's been brought to the for, 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 uh, to, to light by like Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles oh, and okay. just the, the struggles that athletes have mentally. Yeah. You're so impressive physically, but that's only half the game, if, if not even that. And you have brought a light to it because other people who are not professional athletes suffer the same things and yeah. there's ways to get better. And uh, it's really, you know, I give you so much credit for telling your story. You don't, and you I wouldn't wanna, have to. And I want to pile on that a little bit too, because hockey is really, let's be honest, it's it's kind of in the dark ages still with a lot of stuff like this. You yeah. got it's team first and blah, all of this stuff, yeah. right? right? Don't You'd showboat, be... don't talk, don't draw attention to yourself. And yeah, all, yes. like I made a all joke these about things. pro hockey beating the personality out of you. Like it's it's so true though. Yeah, yes, you know, like there's you're not allowed to have a Twitter account and say things. Like, yeah, right. You can't. I mean, I I teeter on the line of social media all the time with some of the things I say. But but, but that's, that's that's when you say you're uncomfortable doing an interview, like and maybe not so much this yeah. one, but but because you are you are lighthearted. You you you're, you're as funny. grounded you're, a player as we've ever as yes, that I can ever you're remember. Wonderful having. to talk to. So it's it's so funny to me. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, I understand that. Yeah. But you also you probably maybe you feel the pressure to be on when something like that happens I, I, rather than just and i think that's part of it too like when you when you do an interview on a camera like you're you're taught to say like, here's the cliche oh you yeah you don't even have to hear take a question it one game at a time to, and, and you can just answer it yeah like and you're not allowed to have other like if i if i went on twitter and came out with some super hot topic about politics people would lose their mind 100 i'd get canceled yeah yeah like you can't have an opinion on those things publicly at least right like I, I, I do. I was watching uh, on Hulu. They have like early two thousands episodes of Wife Swap. Okay. Yeah. Right. And I'd never seen that show before. <laughs> so I, I put a tweet out, and I was like, "Early two thousands episodes of Wife Swap are a hidden gem. Like this is awesome." <laughs> and I had people come to me and be like, "Why are you talking about like cheating on your wife?" And I was like, "Really? People I, said that to you?" Yeah. I was. I was like, "Hey, what are we, have you watched the show?" That's what I said. I was like, "Do we know that this is a TV show?" Yeah. Like. And I thought about deleting it, where I was like, is this bad for me to say? Yeah. Right, right. But that's just the world we live in, and being a pro athlete, you have these eyes on you all the time. All the time. Like, you, even, like, if I if I go out or something, I, like, see a group taking a picture or something that, like, brothers or Joe Cats or wherever, wherever we go after a game, like, you want to go for a drink, like, and you see somebody, like, taking a group photo, like, I would do everything in my power to hide. To not be in yeah. that picture. Like, I, I don't want to be seen anywhere. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the American League's different than the NHL. Like you can walk around Milwaukee and nobody knows who I am. Yeah, like, but you don't want to be Urban Meyer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it's things like that that like kind of beat that out of you, where you you don't like doing those things and you don't want to. Like I don't want to be on camera where someone can look back twenty years from now and be like, mm, "Look at this guy." Ingram had a great career, but remember when he said, "Yeah, like, right, blah, blah, right, blah, that, right, yeah." So now you're not a coach anymore. Exactly. Like yeah. you see all these like. Uh, the hater guy. Right, Josh Hader. He said some things that were super offside. When he was 14, yeah. But when or he whatever. was 14. Yeah. Yeah. You know? 
And it's almost like people are just looking for that a gotcha moment. Well, oh, 100%. percent you got to be looking for yeah. that if you're looking 10 years ago, yeah. right? You're looking. I, like, there's games where we'll play and I'll have people message me after, and you can tell they're just poking you. They just yeah. want you to say something back. Yeah. yeah. Just so they can put it on Twitter and be like, ha, look at what look I'm doing. Look at what, yeah. So why be on it then? The, with, with, um, I mean, let's be honest. We all have egos, and we all want to. We all like to see when somebody puts something nice about us there. But when somebody challenges us on something yeah. on social media, we don't want to put up with that crap. So why? And the, why do we? Why? I, I, I'm not in the same boat as you. Yeah. Because you're certainly more visible than I am. Yeah. And you have a much better future than I do. Uh, no matter what the NHL people say about your potential <laughs> uh, at EA Sports. Um, so why do we put up with why do we do this? I, I think Twitter what's like you, you're not allowed to have a personality, but you also build a brand, right? Like you see Paul Bessonette. If Paul Bessonette doesn't have Twitter, he's not he's, he's not, not on TNT, right? He doesn't play ten years or whatever he right. played. Like these He does, are, doesn't have the number so one it, podcast it, it, in the hockey. Exactly. Because Subban's the same way. Yeah. I, higher profile. Subban Paul has Bessonet. a lot of hot takes too. Like yes. Subban touches on things that are touchy well because yeah. of who he is and yeah. and uh, honestly the color of his skin yeah. he he does that yeah. and and i applaud him for that and he has a, he has a voice on things that matter yes as like bis bisonette or me like i i you can goof around i stay as far away from things that might trigger people as possible yeah right but when this is over somebody might look at that and be like hey anger might be a decent color guy right like this guy played he's got a sense of humor is that do you want to do that I would love a job like that. Like, working on TNT in that panel, Like I, I think I would really enjoy that. Mike McKenna's another guy. Mike yeah. McKenna, McKenna doesn't have Twitter. Totally. Mike McKenna he, doesn't Mike have that job. Mike McKenna's got a heck of a brand. You're 100% right. right. Yeah. Like, you have to... I don't have a degree. I graduated high school with, like, four jokes of grade 12 credits. Like, <laughs> I can't walk into Amazon and say, give me a job. Right. Like, like you got... I'm going to have to do something in sports or like marketing or whatever it is like i'm i'm gonna struggle where you can show your personality yeah i'm a struggle when i'm done playing hockey to find a decent living coaching would you want to coach absolutely not okay no not even as it not as a head coach but as a as dave rook absolutely not that guy's gone way too much from home right which i appreciate him doing that for us but there's no way i can get involved with that yeah i couldn't coach kids either because parents would drive me nuts Yeah. yeah Like, I see all these videos, like, parents screaming and banging on the glass. I'm like, this is an eight-year-old hockey game. Like, right. just take a deep breath. Yeah. My kids will not play hockey. Is that no hockey for them? Never. Boy, girl, whatever it is, it would be golfers, tennis, dance, something where I'm always warm. Yeah, except the parents <laughs> Parents are worse in individual, individual sports. sports yeah. Are they? Oh, yeah. Like, tennis, I think tennis has the original bad parents. Where they are so into it and they are screaming at the other kids. And especially in tennis, too. I grew up playing tennis. Uh, you strike me as a country club kid. <laughs> except in Ripon, where there were no country clubs. Uh, just in the country. Yeah, it was just in the country. <laughs> but in tennis, you call your own. Ins call, and outs, yeah. Ins and, in the ball, call, call your own lines. And so it would be no like umpires? playing hockey. There's no umpires when you're young. There's not even umpires. Like I played, I didn't play at a super high level, but I was you know, pretty good. Collegiate, and, yeah. Yeah, collegiately. And it wasn't until you got to, like, championships in tournaments where there would be a lines person, and they didn't call the lines for you. You called them, and if it was, if you thought your opponent made a bad call, you would appeal, and they could overrule it. But up until then, if they, like, in, you know, just a normal match, you call the lines, and 
It, and parents, oh, oh God. I, like the number of times I saw, you know, someone's parents screaming at another 13-year-old kid. That's like, a nightmare. Oh, Think of like, like Capriati and Richard oh, Williams. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, the list goes on, right? Yeah. Uh, there. So, Tiger Woods' dad was all he, over him, too. He was oh, yeah. Intense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Right. Crazy kid intense. kid two years old on Mike Douglas to hit yeah. tee shots. Yeah. It worked out, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 right. He was on... Uh, Letterman uh, too, right? Wasn't he? Uh... I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, or maybe I, not. Mike Letterman. Douglas, yeah. yeah. Mike Douglas, I remember that. So, okay, so we've established that uh, if if there's a broadcasting job in the future, that we're going to go be, for it. I'd be Chris Mason. Sure. Darren Pang. Yeah. Former Admiral. Yeah. Goalies I, make great analysts, by the I, way. Uh, yes, they I do. I fangirled. When I was in Pittsburgh there last week, Darren Pang was between the benches, and I had to go give him a high five because I was really? like, Darren Pang. Did, did you tell him you play for the Admirals? I did not, but oh. he, he he acted like he knew who I was. Yeah. I don't know if he, he did. Know, oh, he knows 100%. Knows. He knows? He knows. He knows. He, I went over to him, and I was like, he, I just like stuck it out, and he was like, what's up, bud? How are you? And I was like, you do. Darren Pang knows who I am. Darren Pang, uh, <laughs> Darren Pang bobblehead. He he's was the best. He's yeah. He still has a. He played here one season, and Mike Wojciechowski in a terrible year, the worst year ever. And Mike Wojciechowski, well, second second worst, worst year. Record, year. But uh, Mike Wojciechowski has kept in touch with him, so we have him on the radio show. Oh, he's frequently. awesome, and he's fantastic. Like he knows yeah. everything. Him he knows and, everybody. Uh, Ray Ferraro. I really like Ray, Ray Ferraro. Ray's great yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I when I was playing the World Juniors, I sat in the hotel hallway and talked to Ray Ferraro for probably an hour. Really? Because his kid was playing also? No. He was just there commentating. As the, as the analyst. Yeah. Land is a little older. older. But he has Landon, yeah. and then he has young kids, too. Yes. Right. With, second, with, uh, yeah. with Cammy, with Cammy, with Cammy, Cammy or? Cammy. Is Cammy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she and the kids were there, and he stood outside his hotel room, probably talked to me for half an hour, an hour maybe, just shooting shit, like, just a fantastic human being. He had no idea who I was. Yeah. Like. He, I was some kid out of Kamloops. Well, like he was roommates with – so I'll we'll, we'll bring it so full circle to other Admirals head coach who he was roommates with was Dean Evison, and they lived together in Binghamton. The, the, the car story. story. They just yeah. left the car. Yeah. It, it, there's, yeah, it's a lot of funny – a lot of good stories. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a cool job, though. To I, don't, be a, I wouldn't want to be in between the benches. That scares me, but – yeah, I would not want to be in the benches between the benches either. Yeah, no. Pierre got uh, you know how many times did he get a stick well, in the uh, Panger, face? Panger, or... Panger, Panger loves it down there though. Yeah, Panger he loves, likes it. He loves by, between the benches. He loves to get the feel. He loves to yeah. He lo he loves it. Who's uh even the girl? He's a small target though. Let's be honest. The girl Panger. that works with Crispy in Nashville. Uh, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Raleigh. Raleigh? Lindsay Raleigh, not Kara. Kara Hammer's the one that's down. Kara's right? there too. Yeah, yeah. But Lindsay does the hosting. Yeah, I would like that job. That would be nice. Like no pressure. Can't say anything dumb, like <laughs> the hosting. Yeah, like there you know, is no you, pressure, and what you're and what you're there to do is to facilitate the next commercial break. Yeah, like have somebody so else talk. You know, you, you, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it to you. You're gonna say a minute and a half worth of things. Yeah. And since since it's the broadcast for our team, we're not gonna sewer our own team. Exactly. And then okay, now it's time for a when we come back. Yeah. So that's your job is like to maybe say like spit something in there every now and then, but like right, you know, just like. Let other people like host a hot stove, basically. Yeah. Just yeah. let let somebody else talk. Yeah, yeah. And the, the question is, yeah, the question the question I would have for you, uh, or the thing I would tell you is, would that keep your interest long enough? If if you're doing ninety second snippets for eighteen minutes and you've got four three minute breaks in there, I you're gonna go th you're gonna go four ninety second snippets and <laughs> you, all you're gonna say is okay we'll be back in a moment we'll be back in a moment Kara took Kara caught up with Dan Highnote yeah uh, and then come back to you and then say okay now it's another commercial break 
Third period is next with Willie and Chris. I think it would be less that and more like still being involved. Like all those people are on the team playing. They go everywhere we yeah. do. Like yep. you're part of the team. You're still. part of the team. Yeah. yeah. Like what? What? Whatever Hal Gill does. So you like <laughs> checks his bag, right? What, what? So you want to be part of the team, but you don't want the responsibility. Yeah, I want no responsibility. I don't want to be able to get in trouble. <laughs> like I just, I just want to be there and just and ride be part. Around. Yeah, right. Yeah. Be, be here. Hear the story. That's what I basically. Yeah. That's basically what I do. I, I mean, you know. Yeah, you work too hard. I some, want some. Well, no, I just walk around fast. And if you walk yeah. fast and you wear a sport coat, you people drink a lot of head. free coffee. I do drink a lot of free coffee, and it gives me the jitters a fair amount. <laughs> Especially the new coffee that's in the locker room. It's dark roast, higher caffeine. The Kahuna stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't care for it as much. No. No. I can't. Tell. I, I'm. I haven't become old enough to tell the difference between coffee yet. Oh, yeah, well, I can just tell because it's more intense and it gives me a headache. And then Is I start talking. When, when when I'm in the locker room and guys they say that you're buzzing, it's because literally I am buzzing. My head hurts. I like coffee. I like coffee a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's, uh, give me another. I can as many cafe lattes as I want. It says right here. Uh, so we started, we sort of got off on a tangent we did. about your NHL game. You were just telling us about that. So let's bring it back ago. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tell us about your first NHL game. Your parents watched. It's in Minnesota. It's the second of a back-to-back against a very good Minnesota team. Again, against guys, Rem Pitlick, Freddie Gaudreau, guys you had played against yep. two, uh, or played with two years before. Yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, you always dream about your first NHL game. So it was it was a great game for me, too. We jumped out early to a lead, kind of took the pressure And you off. took shots, though. You got into a bit of a rhythm. Exactly. Yeah. Nick Buke's dad sort of made a breakaway. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I got that picture, actually. I asked for – I was on Getty Images, the picture of it going in my first ever goal against. And I found the photographer, and I was like, can I can I have this one? Really? <laughs> yeah. And did he give it to you? We, you know what's funny? Yeah. We, we always ask players, skaters, what do they remember of their first goal? We never think to ask the goaltender. What yeah. do you remember against what your do you think first goal? I'll never forget. Against? John Merrill, Nick Buke's dad beat me far side, low blocker. <laughs> yeah, I. Th- that's and you a have weird the photo ta- of it. That's a weird talent. We could bring up any game from two years ago, and you could be like this game, and I could probably tell you what goals went in that day. Really? Yeah. It's almost like a quarterback who can tell you every single play Co- that happened. Cody Glass's first WHL goal, on me. Really? Yep. He tipped it a point shot from the right point. He tipped it about the top of the circles, went through my legs. Still remember it clear as day. I was. Did you, was that the seven, first thing you said to him when you met him? That had been eight years ago. Yeah, I was. I was like, your first WHL goal was on me. Wow. Did he know that? Yep. He did. He know did. That. Yeah. He he still remembers it too. <laughs> well, you can. I can understand him remembering it. It's his first one. Yep. But for you, I that mean, was some random Tuesday night in Kamloops, and <laughs> that one still burned in my brain for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But by by the time that Bukestad scores, you guys were up. Nashville was up, I think, four. Like, how as a goalie do you process goals against? Right? Is everyone the same? Is it like, oh, it's four zip? Who cares? It's fine. Like, you don't ever say who cares. I mean, it's your first NHL goal against. You're gonna remember it. Yeah, yeah. But like, just going forward, right? Like, how do you reset? I mean, I think I'm doing this long enough where you kind of understand that pucks are gonna go in. Yeah. Like ones like when we played Iowa the other night, they scored on four different deflections. Yes, yeah. and you just kind of sit back and you say, sometimes none of those will go in. Today, all of them went in. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. So it's just everybody has every dog has their day. Kind of sometimes things go your way, sometimes they don't. I think that's part of the profession. You have a, a unique goalie style, at least 
insofar as you're you're the calmest and maybe the like again like I don't know a ton about goaltending but positionally sound you're always in the right place whereas like Pekka well, you remember Pekka as being like the athlete right yeah. like him scrambling from you know the right side of the past the crease on the right side to dive to the left side you don't make those saves because you're never in that position where where did where does that come from being a very overweight child <laughs> Joking aside, that's 100% where it comes from. Because I wasn't fast enough to get to where I needed to be like that. Yeah. Like, I had to be there waiting, or else I was screwed. Yeah. So like, is that cheating? Antici I don't know. Like, too much anticipation? Definitely or? some points you get cheating just because you're trying to process what's happening. But when happening. you're younger, you get by with that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. But now, like, I've kind of, like, learned to get where I need to go if I have to get there. Yeah. But definitely when I was younger, you like, I just, I couldn't move. I remember we went, there's like a combine kind of thing for the WHL. I was 15 years old. I was 5'8", 227 pounds. Wow. I was a big boy. Yeah. Yeah. And I like think. Like Normerical. I think that's where it just comes from, where I was like, I have to think instead of play, because I can't get there fast enough if I have to. So if you ever see me on my back, something terrible went on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even though you're that big, your reactions obviously are amazing yeah right and so and that can that helps you that can save you yeah uh when you are out of position i always was like i always was an athlete too like i think thinking the game for me is a lot easier than a lot of guys yeah um you can process it just those are always things that they say you can't teach you know right or it's just like you understand what's going to happen and how, where it comes from how much I, do you know of you know we asked mike mckenna this and he got a little he was a little irritated not necessarily the question but like he gets here because they say, well, goalies don't have to pay attention to what the coaches are saying yeah. because it doesn't affect them. But he's like, you know what? They should. They should care. They should be more. They should be wanting the goalies to be involved. So how much do well, you know? It's, yeah, it's like the shortstop should know what pitch is coming. Yeah. Right, you know, right. Yeah. Field, so I hated that when I played baseball. Like, I don't care if you're throwing a curveball. I'm just going to go run down this fly ball. Like, yeah. Yeah. But they want it. But you should know. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But I agree with you. Oh. Uh, I mean, I think it definitely helped. I played out till I was 13, too. You did? Okay. Yeah, so, like, I, I've so seen you the knew game the position. sides. Yeah. yeah. I would say it's like, you remember when you were in school and you were writing a test and some kid would go up and ask a question? Didn't even, if it had nothing to do with you, you listened to the question just in case. Just in case the teacher gave something away. Something, yeah. Exactly, right? So, like, when a coach is talking, you're listening, just trying to see, like, if you'll learn something, you know? But here you get so much video, you kind of. You know what's coming. It's also special. Exactly. Now, anyway, yeah. 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 Like we watch PK video. You know who's on the ice. You know who's a shooter. You know who's not. Yeah. Right. Those kind of things. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like it wasn't like Billy Smith who would be reading a a western while the coach was running a uh, no a drill yeah, or yeah. not a drill but a, a, the video or yeah, whatever. You don't, you don't get away with that much anymore. You're not reading Louis Lamour. No, Don Hay beat that out of me. There's a there's a name of it. Yeah. Don, between Don Hay and Bill LaForge, they've probably coached everybody that's ever played in Canada. Oh, my God. Don Hay has seen some hockey games. <laughs> <laughs> we were, uh, he was on his second run in Kamloops when I got him. Okay. He'd spent like 20 years in Kamloops, like 10 in Tri-Cities. Went to Phoenix for two years. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Then to Vancouver for five or six, and then back to Kamloops. And I got him a second time in Kamloops. He was 65 already. Yeah. He's still coaching. Is yeah. he? Yeah, he's a Portland Winterhawks assistant. 
he's got like, like three thousand WHL games or something. Yeah, like, he's yeah. absurd. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, old school. Yeah. Super old school. He had to walk past his office every day, and if he didn't stop and say hi, he'd come hunt you down. Really? Yeah. Sort of nice though. It is. Yeah, I'm a just, guy. Right? I'm a guy that likes to say hello. I think that was his way of making sure everyone was there on time. Okay. Sure. But it, for him, it was just come in and say hello. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd walk past his office. They don't just meander away as fast as you yeah, could. Real, real quick, and this is off topic, and we need to wrap this thing up here. But uh, along those lines, Burt Blylevin, Hall of Fame pitcher for the Twins, gets called up for the first time, and Bill Rigney's the manager, and he says, um, "Hey, what, I want you to uh, stay down in the hotel lobby." And greet the guys as they come in, and uh, and you know and and whatever. And he, okay, yeah. So, nineteen-year-old Bert Blylevin's in the lobby. Guy, it's way past curfew, obviously. Um, guys are coming in. So the next day, Rigney says, "Did you meet so and so?" Yeah, I met him. Did you meet so and so? Yeah, I met him. Did you meet him? No, I didn't meet him. So Rigney got to figure out who was breaking turf oh. because, because of that, right? So, yeah, pretty, pretty ingenious. Yeah, movie. that's <laughs> funny. I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. pretty ingenious. Okay, movie. interesting. That's so, yeah. interesting. That's a new one. I've never heard so, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So anyway, uh, as we wrap things up, we usually, uh, did you have anything else? No, that? I mean, God, we've been going for we have, and, a and long we, time. And, and thank you for doing this. Uh for many reasons, thank you for if doing this. If on the floor, I'll make sure I hunt one of you down. Heels. Yeah. I thought Heels was going over to your apartment to make to let her out. Heels isn't allowed in my apartment. Either. No, I don't blame him. <laughs> He'd probably be afraid of Loki, too. Um, I am. <laughs> so we always talk about, we always ask our guests, when you think of your time in Milwaukee, what do you think about? You're still here, so that's, that's not a fair question. But a variation of that is, what has it meant to you in your, it, it's two seasons officially, I guess, that you've been yeah. in Milwaukee. You know, in my first, what I come here after three years, this is the first time where I ever felt like I was at home, where I got an apartment, I settled down, I made friends, I, you know, Milwaukee, outside of hockey. Yeah, like Milwaukee's has been home for three years now, so I I really like Milwaukee. Milwaukee's there's always something to do. Been to a Bucks game, I've been to a Brewers game, I've been to a Packers game. I haven't done a Wave game yet. They you, I, they iced me on the yeah. Tickets. They did iced iced him on the tickets. We tried to get him and. Yeah. Ghosted, really? yeah. But it's like Milwaukee's awesome. There's there's everything you want. There's anything you're looking for you can find in Milwaukee. And I really I really enjoy Milwaukee. This would be a place where I could come back and I don't know, be a tough sell for the wife but to live in Milwaukee. But <laughs> I think she likes being at home too much. But Where is she from? She's from Toronto. From Toronto. Yeah. We got her convinced to spend some time in Saskatoon. So that's a start. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I really like Milwaukee. I mean, it's, it's been awesome. It's, it's a great place. There's, like I said, there's everything you want. I really like it here. We can't thank you enough again for all the time you gave us here and, and for doing this. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It. I know. And we didn't even talk any CFL. What could be disappointing for you? <sighs> Riders are looking good this year. And my Browns look good. I got to tell you, though. I got to tell you, though. Carl Taylor is friends with Mike O'Shea, the head yeah. coach of the Bombers, right? He's of introduced the Bombers. me to him like four times, and I refused to talk to him. And <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, I've had drinks with him a couple of times now. Yeah. I absolutely love the guy. Is that right? I absolutely the, love the guy. The first time. And I apologize that you, yeah, he's, that he's he the said coach that? Of, the op- op- of the opponent. Yeah, yeah don't, don't ask for any more interviews the, the rest the of the year. Yeah. The first time we met him. We were in Winnipeg, and that was the time when they bought like fifty people on that bus to Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, and from all, Imperial, and all my friends were yelling at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he, we were standing in the crowd, and he like walked up the stairs, and all my friends were like, "Hey, get out of here!" Like 
<laughs> the Ryder fans, like, let us win Labor Day, like, legit, like, yelling at them. And I was like, you guys got to stop. So now every time I see him, my, uh, Carl's always like, hey, Mike, like, you want to say hi to Connor? And I'm just like, no, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> How far is it to Saskatchewan from where, from where you are to uh, see the Riders? To see the Riders, probably like eight hours between Winnipeg and Regina. So is it on all the TV? Uh, is, that's your team, right? Yeah, oh, obviously. Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, when they play, is the biggest of big. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. play Labor Day, and then they play the next weekend. It's called the Banjo Bowl. The Banjo Bowl. Yeah, a guy from Winnipeg said everyone in Saskatchewan just picks banjos. <laughs> so then like, it became the Banjo Bowl. So now there's the Labor Day Classic. Every time it's in Regina, like September 2nd, 3rd, 4th, whatever it is. And then the next week's the Banjo Bowl. And like that, if the Riders could go... Two and ten, but if you win Labor Day in the Banjo Bowl, it's been a great year. Season's a win, and it's a good year. It's like Ohio State, Michigan. Like you win that game, it's a win. It's it's forgiven. That's awesome. That is awesome. We hate hate Winnipeg. (laughs) 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 That's uh, that's a good way to end. Yeah, that's uh, Connor Ingram. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.